but isn't that that's the magic? And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 51. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite music artists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my very good friend... Matt Runquist. Hey, Travis. This week, to wrap up the year... I watched the movie Slumdog Millionaire, and you listened to the band Blur. Yeah, what a good what a good end to the year. This is going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, I think and so. um, yeah, so I, uh, how have you been? How, we'll we'll just do a quick recap because we've got something special for our end of the year episode. Yes, we do. Uh, I've had a really good week. We got made a lot of progress on painting the house this week. We're going to be heading home uh, just before the new year. The dogs are doing really well. We got to play at the beach yesterday, which was a lot of fun for them. It was very cute. Highly recommend you check it out on my personal Facebook. I will. Personal Facebook friend of mine. My own personal Facebook. What is that? Isn't that a song? My own. It is now. Yeah. Anyway, um, the uh, that's awesome. I would love. I took Dot to the beach a couple of times, and I would love to take Coco. I think she would love the beach as well. Yeah. So. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, Coco also is doing great. She, uh, we have been to the park a couple times. We went this morning and, on a Christmas treat because I have been working a lot, so we haven't really had time to go to the park as much as we did over the summer while I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so that was nice. On the way back, someone had put a Christmas tree out on the sidewalk oh my already. Gosh. Like today is Christmas. We're recording this on Christmas. Yeah. And someone already put a, a tree out with lights still on it. So I was curious, I've got a couple of theories. One, this is Uh like domestic disturbance. Like our family is very upset and I'm throwing the Christmas tree out. Other theory is... I'm taking the tree outside. That's it, I'm taking the tree outside and I'm leaving, (laughs) right? The other theory is like, this is a Christmas Eve is Christmas family. Because some families are like all about the Christmas Eve Christmas. But with the lights on and everything? Yeah, it's like, probably it's so weird. This is probably a domestic violence situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not good. Oh. No, I'm sorry to whoever that whoever that is, and uh, it didn't look like the tree was in terrible health or anything like that. So, um, oh, it wasn't like somebody... dying from lack of water or anything. No, I mean maybe it was a little dry, but uh, you know, it didn't seem like dead. So, you know, I always love those situations where somebody doesn't realize that you have to water a natural tree, and so. Oh that they end up with this just absolute, like, torch in their house that they have yeah. no idea. Like, Christmas trees that have not been watered are extremely dangerous. Sure, uh, sure. And more so in the olden days when the lights were also, like, incandescent and, and put off yeah. heat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I've, I've been watching videos about how, uh, there was this video this guy put out about how LED Christmas lights just don't look as good mm. for whatever reason. And mm. so uh, he's trying to recreate the incandescent look with led lights and it was just a just a fascinating dive into this person's mind so anyway but that all is um that's a week ago for everybody (laughs) listening to this yeah Uh, we we're we're talking year end year beginning stuff and um we wanted to do a a little bit of a recap i wanted to do a little bit of a recap i was really excited that our podcast has made it a year and so I wanted to give like some awards. Are you yes, are you yes. on board with that, Absolutely. Travis? Well, we, yeah, we recorded our first episode on New Year's Day last year, I think. I or think so, something like wow. that. Yeah, crazy. It's uh, and so this has definitely uh, been a full circle experience for uh, both of us. And for yeah, let's sure. uh, take a look at let's take a look at the year. What all right, let's see what we got. Well, first of all, I just wanted to acknowledge the four items of media that got tens across the board from both of us. Oh, we had two movies and two music things. Good, good. Uh, yes. Do you remember what they are off the top of your head? I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, so we have uh, everything everywhere all at once. Yes, and, yes, uh, that was a great from one movie. movie. Florence and the Machine for another for the music. Yes, because you um, were super into Florence and the Machine. Was Florence it, and the Machine, uh, I think, kicked off your enjoyment of the music like that was the maybe. one well that no, was the I think first one that, that didn't we really... have the boys who did the ejo or rj 
I don't remember AJR. the name. It's like, AJR. AJR, thank yeah. you. I yeah. liked them a lot. Yeah, but, uh, were the, they but Florence and the Machine was the one where you got a little bit mad at me for not giving it to you earlier. So, that was because it was yeah. like May or something. Oh, before you gave them I don't know if it was that long. But anyways, Maybe. yeah, it was. you really liked that. And then, uh, let's see, there was another movie that got tens across the board. It was recent. Was it Brokeback? It was Brokeback Mountain. Okay, wow. Yes. Wow, okay, yeah, for sure, yeah. sure. It earned it. And then uh, finally there was one more band. And you have actually But it wasn't seen, AJR, huh? You have seen this band play live this year. I saw them play live? You did indeed. You saw them play a Christmas song at work. Fits did and I? the Tantrums. Yes, you sent me a video. Oh, yeah, you know, because I also saw uh, someone else play a Christmas song at work um, that we talked about. Who was, who's that? Do you remember? <laughs> That's not important, Travis. No, What's okay. important is Fits in the Tantrums got Fits tens. Fits in the Tantrums, that was very exciting to me. And they yes. got tens across the board. Okay, great. They got good, tens good. across the board. I am happy that um, that we have been able to share things with each other that we both loved. Yeah. You know, just purely loved. Yeah. And I think that's great. Yeah, I think it's it's really awesome. And also two each. Two well, two that got tens from both of us. Right. right. So That's there's a there's but a few items. Bought... Yeah, there's a few I oh yeah, yeah. We both managed. We both brought to... two things to the table yeah. that got tens across the board, which I love. Yeah. All right. Well, so that goes right into my first award of the year, which is biggest surprise. My mm. biggest surprise was a movie that I thought was going to be a little bit like taking some medicine. It's good for you. It's mm. going to be a good, uh, it's going to be, you're going to, you're going to be improved by the experience of watching this movie, but I just didn't want to do it. And when mm. I watched it, I absolutely loved it. And that movie is Brokeback Mountain. So good, yeah, good yeah. recommendation there. Thank you. That was a similar experience uh, just rewatching it. Um, my biggest surprise was uh, I want I would probably say um, Florence and the Machine music wise mm -hmm. because I still think about I still think about it. I still think about that band. I still revisit it uh, mm -hmm. in a way that I don't with the other bands we've listened to because as I go through the year, it's 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 so much work to keep up with music when I don't normally listen to music that I don't generally go back and listen to other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so um, and so that was probably my biggest uh, joyful surprise. My biggest hurtful surprise was how much <laughs> you disliked Spider-Man. Because <laughs> I thought, I thought I nailed it, knowing going into it that you didn't like superheroes, but knowing that you did like animation and um and the incredible specifically. I was like, okay, here we go. This mm -hmm. is gonna do it. Well, and you know what, Travis, that was a big disappointment for me. And this is my next award, which is my biggest oh. disappointment of the year. So it was a, obviously a disappointment is a particular type of surprise, but I was very disappointed because I had built up this movie in my mind. So many people had told me it was really, really good. I do like some animation. And so I was really disappointed when I watched Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and it just didn't it just didn't do it for me. It just didn't trip my triggers. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I just bought um, Across the Spider-Verse, the, uh, the sequel to it, okay. uh, which is, uh, I'm not going, I would never assign it to you because, first of all, you, it, you didn't, but also it's not actually as good mm -hmm. as the first one yeah. in my mind. It's a lot. It's a ton. It's, they, they just throw everything at the wall and it's a busy, busy movie, but oh, yeah, it almost is so busy it gives me a headache to watch and I, <laughs> I know you wouldn't want to... Uh, you wouldn't watch that. You wouldn't enjoy it. Um, my biggest disappointment was probably the REM album oh, that you yeah. gave me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because um, I generally have good memories of listening to a few of the REM big hits back mm -hmm. in the day, and I just did not like that album Oh yeah, that's almost at all. Yeah, that was really disappointing for me, too, because that is one of my favorite albums overall. And yeah. it is a little outside of the mainstream of REM's work, but mm -hmm. I, I felt like it was probably still going to be accessible, and it turned out it just wasn't. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, for sure. All right, let's see what's next on my list. Oh, okay. So for this one, this is going to be like Oscar style. I okay. I wanted to think of like best individual performance. So I didn't do actor. This could be actor or actress in a movie. My personal nominees for this. And I came up with these pretty quickly, but I feel like it's pretty solid. My okay. nominees are 
Michael B. Jordan from Creed, right? I loved nice. the movie. He carried the movie. Yeah. yeah. Steph- Stephanie Hsu from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh. Yeah, she yeah. was so good in such an unusual role of Jobu. Yeah. Had to had to give props to that. Margot Robbie in Barbie. Now this is a little different, right? Because there she's not it's it's a really tough thing to like play a plastic doll, but yeah. also like sort of change over the course of the movie. And I just found her to be a delight. So I I I give it to that one. Even though Maybe Barbie is more of a total achievement thing rather than an individual achievement, but she was so good in that. Well, and I don't know. It's, it's, you have to. You have to. That is so dependent on casting the right person in that role. Yeah, that I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. All right, uh, Heath Ledger from Brokeback Mountain. I mean, I love yep. Jake Gyllenhaal, but Heath Ledger was just unreal good in that movie. Wow, what a performance. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And then this one might surprise you a little. I really, really loved Emily Blunt in Looper. I felt like her performance in Looper was the difference between that being a kind of by-the-numbers sci-fi movie and something that really sort of hit hard emotionally. Sure. So Emily Blunt in Looper. Well, and Emily Blunt is just amazing in in a bunch of stuff. We also saw her in in a quiet place, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And um, and I thought she brought that same kind of real intense complexity mm-hmm. to that role too. Um, I would add uh, I would add Joaquin Phoenix in Joker to this list mm. because um, and I I just consider that to be so far the best performance I've seen yeah. in this century. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 a performance that really blew my socks off. Um, and I'm not even a fan of Joaquin Phoenix in general. So mm-hmm. uh, that was saying something. Yeah. Yeah. It is always tough to get over that hump of this is not somebody who I usually, usually dig. Right. 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 You know what? Uh, I might, I might give you this movie too, but uh, Nick Cage does that every once in a while. Like I don't generally like Nicolas Cage, but um, he did a movie called Pig last year, and uh, I really ended up enjoying it. Hmm. So never maybe even heard I'll of throw it. that your way. Never yeah, even heard it's, of it. It's under the under the radar that one. All right. Well, uh, so are you ready to hear my choice for my outstanding performance of the year? Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh so those were your nominees. Those are my nominees. And your choice yeah. is. It's Michael B. Jordan in Creed. This is the man who brought me back to the Rocky franchise and made Mm. me remember how much I loved the Rocky franchise. And so for like sheer good feeling, I have to I have to give it to Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pro that I'm pro that choice, and and to see also his growth as an actor from Chronicle mm-hmm. to uh, Creed, and now and and he directed Creed three actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took over okay. from uh, uh, from Coogler and okay. um, did. Uh, I think he directed Creed three. So all right, well, I'm looking I, forward I to watching watch that myself. At some point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so I've got one more. Uh, sort of, this is an award that I'm giving to some uh, something specific, except it's not really an award. Uh, it's just, I've got a rating that I wish I could go back in time and change. Because okay. I didn't give anything a one this year. The lowest rating mm. I gave all year was two. And so clearly my entire scale was off. So if I could, I would retroactively go back <laughs> Not necessarily. That just if means I that could. I haven't given you anything truly horrible to you. Uh, if I could, I would go back and give Power of the Dog a one. Whoa! Yes. Really? I, yeah, I gave it a two at the time. And, you know, after that, we watched Call Me By Your Name and we watched uh-huh. Brokeback Mountain. And I think both of those are clearly way, way better gay romance movies. And so... I would retroactively be like, I, I didn't enjoy anything about the experience of watching it. And uh, I, I would give it a one. Yeah, I was too generous. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's it's not a romance, first of all. But uh, yeah. uh, it's uh, and and it's not a happy movie. And no. for that, I understand. I also am generally into movies that have happy. I'm a big happy ending guy. Um, I'm a big hero's journey type of person. And. I think that movie does have a hero's journey from the perspective of the young guy. I appreciate the complexity of it. I think it could have been a worse movie easily uh, without the direction of uh, of 
oh, that director, I can't remember what her name Jane was. Campion. Jane Campion, thank you. Um, but yeah, so, uh, all right, all right, well, uh, I'm okay. sorry you... Do you have it. any ratings that you would go back and change on the music, if you if you could? Do you feel, like, solid about your ratings? Well, what did I give AJR if I didn't give them a 10? Ooh, let me check. Let me check. You gave AJR a 9. Yeah. So would pretty you... Pretty good, pretty good. Um, okay. Well, I, I, I haven't gone back and watched them again, but I do think about them a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'll, I'll think I'll stand pat on a nine, but that's right. the only one I could think of. Okay. Uh, well, I have some good news for you, Travis. What? A- AJR has a new album out, so really? I think we'll probably listen to it here in the new year at some point. All right, cool. All right. Yeah, let's do that. I'd like to see because you gave me like their first album, right? Or did you give me a mix? I gave you a mix. You gave yeah. me a mix. Yep. All right. Well, sure. Let's uh, let's right. revisit them with an album. That's cool. All right. And then finally, for the podcast year, I did give four movies tens this year. Mm. So these are my nominees for best movie of the year. We've got, obviously, Brokeback Mountain and Everything yep. Everywhere All at Once, because those are yep. the two that we agreed on. And then I also gave Get Out a 10, and I gave okay. Creed a 10. Both very, very strong movies. Very, very strong movies. And uh, and your But your overall choice for best movie my of the year o- I, my I know which one i will choice. do i my would do overall choice for best yeah. movie of the year uh-huh. was everything everywhere all at once yep that's yeah. also my choice yeah. yeah it was so just innovative and exciting and fun yep. and well acted and well yeah you know they're together. finally starting to put out merch for that movie <laughs> A24 is just starting to release merch almost two years later for uh, for everything ever all at once. Um, however, I will say, watching the... Um, I almost sent you a picture of it. Um, uh, there was in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, because it takes place in different universes, like it, it's jumping through universes, mm-hmm. uh, they have references to everything everywhere all at once. Because, oh, interestingly enough, in that movie, the bagel is also a... A big plot point uh-huh. because if you remember in the first movie where spider-man they're escaping from the from the facility the lab mm-hmm. and uh he throws a bagel at someone and uh-huh. hits, hits this guy in the head with a bagel yeah yeah that guy becomes the villain of the second movie <laughs> and uh it's kind of a, he's kind of a ridiculous villain but he becomes a very very powerful villain and um and so they also put in references to everything everywhere all at once and in one universe there's a billboard for a movie called all the things all the time all the all, for, <laughs> all you know. the places yeah i can't remember i said i took a picture of it i was gonna send it to you oh, and man. uh and then also they they highlight the bagel a little bit so fantastic um, fantastic yeah yeah my well, choice as well yeah yeah uh so travis any i mean i think we know the answer to this but what was your favorite music of the year yeah gotta be uh gotta be um uh florence and the machine 100 percent. yeah yeah that 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 music was it an album or a playlist that was a playlist as well yeah that playlist touched me um in a way that hasn't let go all year yeah so thank you for exposing me that to that if that's if that's the best thing that happened this year i would be very happy but uh we experienced a lot of good things this year yeah we sure did we sure did well, Travis, what do you say? Should we get into the meat of our regular yeah. episode now? Get to the meat. Get to the meat. Shall we shake things up and do the um, music first? Did you just do keyboard typing? Did you? No, did you just tap was, your keyboard. <laughs> no, that was me on my. That was me on my lap. Oh, I thought you were uh, making a little keyboard sound effect. Okay. Why? Well, <laughs> let's, uh, let's type things up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, all right. Uh, what are we doing? That was first? a thing, by the way. Wait, wait. Side side note. Oh. Do you know? Uh, you know when you're in a bar and you're and you're and you're talking to someone, and it's too loud. You'd be like, "Call me." Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a whole bunch of things when I was with um, uh, with friends, and we'd be like, we'd be like, "Send me an email," and we'd be like, <laughs> we'd be like, "Send me a telegraph." <laughs> send me a semaphore you know? <laughs> do like a flag so anyway all that's going to be much more interesting if you watch our uh, video uh because i was demonstrating what our little symbols were but that's anyway. fantastic uh well let's yeah, shake so. things up this week travis and do the actually i'm really curious 
to hear your take on the music. So let's do the music. Yeah. First. Well, tell me about Blur, man. Well, I'm going to tell you about Blur, but I'm also going to tell you specifically about the album Park Life, which is what I gave to you. So yes. Blur is one of the main bands of the Britpop scene in the 90s, along with o Oasis was the other really big one. They were sort of set up against one another. And Park Life is the album that Blur released uh, that really got them popularity in the United States. The first track on it is a song called Boys and Girls, and that was a pretty big hit both in England and in the U.S. Blur has always been more popular in England than they, than they have been in the U.S. They were reasonably popular over here, but in England they were just as big as Oasis was for a long okay. time. Um, so this album, I love it because it's... First of all, it is emblematic of a sound. Like, if you want to know what Britpop is, you can listen to Blur's Park Life. And it's a pretty wide-ranging record that sort of incorporates a bunch of different influences all into a pretty cohesive whole and makes you want to move your body. It's definitely a precursor to the sort of dancier indie alternative of the early 2000s. Uh, but... Yeah, they're they're really I, I really love this album. I think it really does talk a lot about sort of the working class and middle class life in England, which I am always a big fan of people who address things other than the concerns of the rich. And so I really, really I really dug this. My favorite song is probably Girls and Boys, but there's a lot of different songs here uh, that there's a lot to like. So uh, what did you think about this, Travis? Yeah, this album was a lot. And I mean that both metaphorically and literally. Um, there, uh, as you said, there's a whole lot of range in, uh, in the style of song, which was fun. And, and that's something I have nitpicked about in the past on bands that, you know, it, they may be good, but they sound too same throughout the album. Uh, the experience of listening to this album was akin to watching a Shakespeare play. Uh, and what I mean by that is that when it started, my brain was like, I don't understand this. I don't, mm. uh, uh, the, the sounds, the, the, the sound of the, of the singers, the accents, all of it was kind of like, uh, it needed deciphering. And then as I continued to listen to the album, uh, it kind of just unlocked itself in my brain. And so what I did is I got to the end and I immediately started it over again just to kind of pick up those couple of uh, those first couple of songs again. And I'll agree with you. I think that the first song is fantastic. I, I will say there is a lyric in it that is uh, fairly, uh, it's, it's pretty good. It, uh, it's um, uh, girls who want boys who like boys to be girls. Uh, and who so, which boys? is like an, ex yeah. yeah, which who, who do boys, yeah. Um, like their girls. <laughs> like their girls. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, girls who want boys who like boys to be girls who do boys like their girls who do girls like their boys. Yeah. Um, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a complicated lyric, and I love stuff like that. But also the first time I heard it, I was like, am I being pandered to? Did somebody <laughs> give me this album? Because they're like, oh, it's got a gay reference. Travis will like it. And, um, and, so, uh, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm being pandered to. But then uh, as I listened to it, I've, I've now heard that song three times because I, I went through it again this morning. And, uh, and I'm just like, no, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's fun. It's clever. Yeah. Um, and I and I appreciate that, and I also appreciate being able to understand the words. As mm -hmm. you know, that's a, that's a big thing for me, and um, so yeah, just a lot of fun. And not every song is a winner. Um, there are a couple songs. There was one uh, after Park Life. Uh, it might have been Bank Holiday or 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 Bad Head that yeah. was just a little too much noise for mm -hmm. me. And I almost skipped it, but luckily they're all pretty short. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was able to kind of get through it and uh, and then get onto a different sound mm -hmm. for the next song. Uh, but they, and then that that brings kind of the other thing. This is a long-ish album. It runs mm -hmm. just under an hour, and it did feel and and 
uh, it felt a little long, but also because the songs were short, it felt like there was just a lot of them. Yeah. And there there are. There's what, I don't know how many tracks. It must be almost 15, 20 tracks in this. No, 15? Yeah, there's quite quite a few. Yeah. yeah, so it just, it did feel a bit long. And I might have gone through and um, and 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 cut a bit you mm-hmm. know it's like it's like the 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 duke's um response to shakes or to mozart you know yeah there's too many notes your too majesty many notes. um just cut a few and it'll be perfect yeah. and uh, that was kind of my my thought on this album so yeah no i and i would agree with you like if i was going to ding this album for one thing it, a little stronger editing hand might have you know sort of the traditional length for an album is 12 songs this is 16 and mm. I think if this was a 12 or 13 track album, I think it would be just about perfect. Yeah, it'd be really um, nice. It'd be a, something you could just pop on, get through, and appreciate it before it overstays its welcome. Yeah. And I think it does that just a bit. Yeah. Especially on repeated listenings for me in the course of one week. Yeah, they're a really interesting band. Um, so Damon Albarn is the primary songwriter of Blur, uh, and uh, he's also the singer. Uh, did the voice sound vaguely familiar to you, by the way? It, I mean, it kind of just sounded like a, a decent Brit. Like. Okay. That's interesting because, the, so Damon Albarn is also the brains behind a project called Gorillas, who have had several massive, massive hits okay. uh, in the early 2000s that, yeah, you have probably heard of, of Gorillas, And, um... And so I didn't know if maybe you might have thought, oh, this voice sounds familiar and might have seemed familiar from Gorillaz rather than... Boy, maybe. You know, I don't think he has uh, quite a a distinctive enough voice for me. It's not like listening to Phil Collins and being like, oh, that sounds like the guy from Genesis or being able to pull out, you know, uh, uh, not Prince, um, Michael Jackson from, you know, Mm -hmm. um, what's the song he did where he did backup vocals for... uh, uh, Oh, I don't actually know. Did Michael Jackson did backup vocals for someone? Yeah, it's the song where it's like uh, you can, um, uh, where I like they can see you. Like there's someone spying on you, or uh, uh, who can it be now? Is that it? Um, uh, who can it be? I'm now? sorry. No, that's not it. There was a song where Michael Jackson did backup vocals, and if you're on a computer, you can you can check that. Um, but also like. Um, uh, you know the 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 police. Who was the guy from the police? Sting. Um, yeah. You know you can hear him do vocals on something, and you're like, oh, that's that Sting. So okay, that's the, my point is that this guy didn't have distinctive uh, enough yeah. voice for me to recognize elsewhere. Yeah. You know what's funny is like to me he sounds like he's kind of trying to cop um, early David Bowie, right? If you've ever heard of any of the early David Bowie albums, he's got a pretty strong English accent and sort of a, almost like he's got a good voice, but he does kind of yell a lot of the lyrics rather than Mm. like sing Mm. a lot of the lyrics. And to me, that's kind of, it sounds like that's what he's going for. Interesting. Interesting. You know, know, it's funny. Yeah. Well, I, I, I kind of, when I started listening to it and and finally kind of that deciphering mechanism uh, opened up in my brain, I started thinking that it was, it sounded almost like a proto-Beatles or even like in a way a post-proto-Beatles, you know? Yes. Yeah, but the blur is very heavily influenced by the Beatles and other early British pop. Um, and so that's that's a really good point like that is definitely something that they were going for interesting and i think maybe the the eclecticism of the album is also influenced by that right especially the latter half of the beatles career was all over the place on an album there was definitely not two songs in a row that sounded like one another right and at least for the first two-thirds of this album that is true here as well a lot of upbeat stuff a lot of interesting sounds but no to like you always know when the track has ended and a new one has begun yes yes at least up until like 12 or 13 and i think you're right they do kind of start to meld together a little bit towards the end yeah that's an interesting interesting way to phrase that there you always know when one track ends and another begins that's uh something that is for sure something i've 
not liked in other albums yeah. that we've listened to. So uh, that's cool. I like that. I yeah. Like that. Uh, I also did just want to call out, I know I mentioned this last week, but the cover of this album is uh, two greyhounds racing. And actually, apparently, the entire booklet, which obviously we don't have access to, is uh, all photos taken at a greyhound racing track in England. Greyhound racing is still an active uh, sport over there. And it's considered like a like a lower class, middle class thing, right? The punters going out to the dog track and and having a pint and putting down twenty pounds on a on a dog race is considered to be like a you know a low class thing. Interesting. And, uh, so that that's sort of a connection there that I I personally love because I I love my dogs and it's so much fun to watch them do what they do best. Yeah, that's that is nice. I uh, I was like I said I was at the park with Coco today and she is a fast little girl like when mm-hmm. I when I throw that ball as hard as I can with with the chuck it like the the double jointed chuck it that can mm-hmm. go even she is so fast and I know that um you know watching dogs that are fast run is is yeah it's something magical about it there yeah. really is there really is yeah. Uh well that's cool. I uh, I don't know if I have a lot more to add about this album. I uh, I fairly enjoyed it. It might not be the type of thing I would listen to on my own. Mm-hmm. Um and and here's the thing, like I still don't know if I like the Beatles. Um I you know, of course they have some classic songs that I know and enjoy, but as a whole, I don't mm-hmm. know if they're for me. So um because I really haven't been exposed to them. <laughs> Well, I, I'm not going to be giving you any Beatles albums, but uh, okay. that, that's it. I mean, I suppose I could if you want, right? Yeah, I, you know. I mean, do you do you not like the Beatles? Oh, I love the Beatles. I love the Beatles. Oh, yeah, okay. but I just that feels like low hanging fruit. <laughs> but but at the same time, like here I am, um, you know, the, just a little uh, like a little kid reaching up to. I can't reach even the low hanging fruit. That's true. When it that's comes true. To music. Yeah, and like I said, Beatles albums are very eclectic. Uh, so the songs I feel like we have you... well documented my lack of musical like knowledge, so that so that you can just imagine me as a blank slate. So feel free to give me those well, low hanging fruits too. Well, we're gonna uh, just a little spoiler for later. We're going to be getting into low hanging fruit and blank slates a little bit later. So that's, that's oh okay, good. that's a Great. hint for later. Oh, ooh, okay, that's All foreshadowing. Right. I like it. Well, Travis, I suppose mm-hmm. we can get right into rating it then. What yeah, would you yeah. give Blur's Park Life? As I thought a, a lot about it. I think uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and give this a. Um, ooh, you know, I did think of a lot about it, and I thought I was going to give it a seven, but now mm-hmm. I might give it an eight. Wow that that was a but, whirlwind a whirlwind of emotion. You know, it was, I, 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 I feel like I appreciate it. Like I was going into this morning, I was like, this is a, this is a pretty solid seven. It's not, it's not kind of something I would listen to, but I, I appreciate the talent and, um, and this does check a lot of these boxes that I like in music. I guess it depends on what we're rating for. Are we rating, is this a personal rating or is this a, um, is this a rating of merit? You know? Oh, you know, I think that's really up to you, right? Uh, I and I think sometimes we go back and forth a little bit. We do, and you know what? No, I'm going to stay a seven. I'm going to stay a seven. Stay this a is seven. a this. It's a solid seven. Oh, a solid seven. A solid yeah, seven. Mark mark that down. <laughs> I, I have marked it for down, the record. As a matter of fact, for <laughs> the record. Well, Travis, for me, I'm going to give this album a nine. I really Ooh. like it. I'm actually a little bit surprised that you dug it um, because uh, it doesn't seem like your kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah um, it's not really. And so um, uh, uh, was this your suggestion or was this one of the suggestions from the audience? This was one of the suggestions from Brian Wiega. Oh. Uh, I like this a lot. Like I said, it's a nine for me. And I was super into uh, the couple albums after this. Uh, they have a self-titled album that I really dig. And I think there's one called 13 or something like that, that I'm a big fan of. I might be curious to what you think, because their albums are very, very different from one another. I'm Hmm. actually might be curious to hear how you feel about how they evolved later. So I'll have to, you know, if they do something a little more poppy, uh, I might be into that. 
Oh, uh, well, no, I, I would say the albums get less poppy from here. Oh. Uh, but, oh, there is another one that popped into my head that maybe I'll have to give you. Anyways, not right. an album from them, but another Brit poppy uh, band that you might Well, dig. you mentioned a so, band when you were, uh, you mentioned, what is it, Oasis? There is also Oasis, yes, but I, I despise Oasis. Oh, so you, you do? won't be getting that from okay. me. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, well I'd be open to here. being exposed to uh, some such. Well, you're going to have to get musicians. a guest. A de- you'll have to get a guest host for that one because I All right. I'm put not that on the guest host list. <laughs> put that on the guest host list. All yep. right, great. Well, uh, what? And you rated it a nine. That's awesome. I, yep. All, All right. right. Well, Travis, why don't you tell me about Slumdog Millionaire? Oh man, Slumdog Millionaire is. Uh, I am. I am honestly so happy I revisited this movie because it's not something that I had seen in quite a while. And uh, on a whim, I went ahead and purchased it instead of renting it for this episode. And I am really glad that I did. Uh, this is a movie by Danny Boyle, who is a... Uh, uh, on, on watching the special features for this, I realize he's... Uh, older director than I thought he was. He directed, he kind of came onto the scene with an independent film called Train Spotting, starring Ewan McGregor, and it's what made Ewan McGregor uh, a star. And also um, uh, Carlisle, um, Robert Carlyle as an actor. And um, uh, and he went ahead and did uh, 28 Days Later, which is another f- uh, big movie of mine. This movie was nominated uh, for and maybe won a couple Academy Awards. And uh, then he did Sunshine. He did... Um, he, he's just done a whole lot. And I think a really successful director who is also a bit eclectic. He doesn't always do the same type of movie. This movie, we experienced already this year um, kind of a look at the slums of India with Lion. Right, mm-hmm. but this movie takes us into the slums in a way that um, that I think we we've never experienced before, and uh, in a way that I've never experienced in any other movie, where we really get an intimate look at what life was like growing up in the, the slums of of um, of uh, Bombay, uh, yes. Mumbai, mm-hmm. um, and uh, when it was going through that transition. And so um, it follows three characters, basically, um, two brothers and, uh, and this girl that they meet uh, when they're children. And, it's, and they're three different ages, so it's like uh, ages 7, ages 13, and then age 18. And so not a whole lot of – very close in age. And so it's a fascinating look at how they cast these characters to be – so they cast old first, right? They went with the older actors, and they Dev Patel, this was his breakout role, and now he's a very successful actor. We've experienced him in Lion and also in some other stuff that I uh, love. And um, he, and then they cast the younger kids off of the grown-ups. And um, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a really good movie. I, I, I love... The, uh, the, ostensibly, the storyline is that... Dev Patel gets on the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and knows all the answers to the questions. And it's amazing because he's a poor kid. He works as a as a as a essentially assistant who gets tea for uh, the people he works for and and he gets all the way through to the end question and then they the the episode ends uh before it, he gets the last question and he gets arrested for suspicion of fraud. And the movie is essentially how he knows the answer, the answers to all these questions. And it's pieced together very well. It's based on a book. I kind of had the impression that it was based on a true story, but it's not. It's just a book. And um, anyway, I, I, I enjoyed it so much. And I, I'm really interested to hear what you think. Yeah. So it is a very, very well-made movie. Danny Boyle has a few sort of directorial touches that are maybe maybe don't fit the mood of the movie perfectly well a, a few times but uh but it is very unique like you can tell that this is a Danny Boyle movie uh and I really liked the way it was photographed the way it looks is is really impressive it covers a lot of ground like there's a lot of locations and a lot of um 
a lot of scenes in this movie. There's just like a lot there, which is pretty impressive given, you know, what they made it for. Yeah. Um, uh, 15 million was the budget. Yeah. It was, it was not a ton of money, right? There is kind of a structural problem here, which is that you're contrasting this sort of very, very difficult, dirty story about these kids in the slums. I mean, there's a point at which the main character like literally goes into a human waste pit uh, and is covered in human waste for a significant portion of screen time, uh, an uncomfortable to me amount of screen time. Uh, And then you're contrasting it with this bright, shiny TV studio and you know, to the extent that that's a commentary on how the other half lives, I think that's good. But it's also like tonally a big issue because you're you're supposed to simultaneously feel uh, like sympathy for these characters and the and the unnamed characters in the movie who are living in the slums, and then also feel this sort of like almost lighthearted romantic comedy at the end like there there is as you mentioned last week there's the song jai ho over the titles and i don't know man i i had a hard time like emotionally transitioning from like here's a child covered in human feces who has the like who gets the thing that he wants and then it's stolen from him from him by his brother and just like awful this awful situation and then also you know, hey, he at least he was able to get that trivia answer from it. You know, like it. Well, it's oh a tough. Man. Mm, it's just it's a tough emotional journey for me to make. Like, it's a it's a hard watch in a lot of places. Like the first hour of this movie, especially before you know when the kids are in it, basically is really, really tough. And he like yeah. he's being beaten in a police station and t- uh, tortured in a police station, electrocuted in a police station. Like, it's it's a hard, hard watch. And then also you're like, hey, but look at this cool, fun TV show he's on. Like, it, it totally, yeah. it's a problem. Well, I don't know that it is. I think that it's, uh, I think it's reflective of, of a, a completely different society than we live in. And we look at, for instance, the, the, the hardship of the slums and we are thinking, uh, our, our response to that is to kind of a visceral like, oh gosh, I can't imagine living that poor, right? And uh, I think two things. One is that for them, it was just life, and they just lived how they could. But two, I love how they set up the relationship between uh, Jamal and um, and his brother um, uh, Salim. And right from the get-go, they set up Jamal as, even as a kid, someone who will do anything and never quit to get what he wants, right? But in like a kind of a heroic way, like he'll only he'll put himself at risk, but he he, he won't risk, you know, someone else. Whereas Salim is set up from the get go as someone who will look for any opportunity, including something that requires him to uh, put his, you know, brother under the bus. And um, and I think that that sets up that relationship very well and continues it, but then gives, especially Salim, a nice arc to uh you know for redemption and i don't <laughs> yeah, know man. i I, I gotta cut i gotta cut in there man no do like it. like his redemption arc is that he dies in a bathtub <laughs> like i i don't that doesn't to, like to protect like, to to protect that, someone though yeah that feel it felt it was it was so awful to me like he gets to the end and he make he wins all the money he's like sorry about your brother though he got shot a lot right of times. well but also right? sorry about a lot of people their mom yeah I mean, their mom gets killed right in front of them uh in a in a in an attack on muslims and uh and so um yeah they they, they live a very hard life and i think that it's presented unapologetically uh and, and you know the idea that these kids are living in trash heaps until they're recruited by a guy who is essentially a gangster who recruits kids to go begging and then mutilates the kids so that they get more money while they're begging. 
that's a horrible, horrible thing. But Jamal, as the person who perseveres through all that, I think is uh, a, a really interesting character. And and he he does it. He he he's focused on on love the whole time, um, and not just for Latika, the the girl, but also for his brother, who he can't help but uh, you know being the only person in his life, he can't help but have some loyalty for. Yeah, I, I don't know. I found, I found no. that really nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is like the kernel of a of a good story there. I just I'm. It was really tough for me to mentally go from watching this like really, really depressing stuff to, hey, here's the game show and here's the happy ending. Like, not that the movie shouldn't have had a happy ending, right? But it it, it was just, it was really jarring for me and tough to make the transition. The other thing that I wanted to talk about with this was just that there's something that just sort of grates about like the the setup is so almost coy right like well of course he he knows the answers because of these specific things that happened in his life right um but because of the way the story is told you know that he's going to get the answers right up until the end right the way the story is told he's ready to answer the last question so you know like there's no suspense until the very last question. And so you're presented with this sort of episodic structure where it's like, here's the question and here's how we found out about the question. Here's the question. And here's how we found out about the question. And it feels very like structurally like simplistic, right? Like, isn't the, isn't this cute how they just happen to ask him these questions that just happen to line up with his knowledge rather than... Well, like, and that's... But to me... Oh, man. So... I don't have as big a problem with those kind of things as you do because for me, it's why we're watching this story. Why we're not watching the story about the slum kid who gets on Who Wants to Build a Millionaire who doesn't get past the first question because he don't know anything. Like, we're watching this story because this is the story about the guy who does it. And um, it's not worth watching the other stories, you know? We're just not aware of the Yeah, because we of just other don't times. care about them. Well, right. We, well, I mean, we don't... It's a, it's, it's, it's a hundred other characters who uh who who get on the show and don't succeed because we don't we don't want to watch a story about someone who doesn't succeed we want to watch the story about someone who does and um right and I think but what if he succeeded because he was like fiercely intelligent and and you know that's like, a different story and i think that that's well, not, i understand and, that that's a different story but it doesn't rely so heavily on what's like chance basically like yeah, the the story here that, is that that's it's the just magic mm. that's like that's it's literally magic it's like it's like i mean for anybody who enjoys star wars like the idea that um luke just by chance happens to you know get back into get into space and get connected with uh, han solo and and that whole thing you know that's it's fate it's chance that's why this movie starts with that idea that you know uh it it gives you a multiple choice and says it, it was he was he a genius was he cheating uh blah 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 or was it fate and mm-hmm. um it's 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 a story about fate and and magic and I you you mentioned earlier you you found the it's beginning got a depressing. really high it's got a really high body count for a story about fate and magic that's but that's that's I think them trying to play the reality of that world where people are preying upon other people and if you are strong enough to resist being preyed upon uh, sometimes violence is necessary and and Salim takes on that violence into himself. Uh, and in a way to protect um, not only himself but also his brother, and because of that, he earns that ending story-wise, where he, you know, he he redeems himself, but he also has earned uh, not a happy ending for himself. Does that, does that make sense? I I found that poetic, um, and I also I just wanted to push back a bit on your characterization of the beginning as uh, depressing. For us, it was. But one of the things I liked about it was that in that world, they are, the kids are, I mean, they're playing in whatever area they have to play in. They're playing on the airfield. They're playing in this muddy water um, that's probably loaded with bacteria or whatever. But they're, they're, I don't know. I 
feel like they managed to sh to to take the humanity and highlight that. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's a hard life, but it's not devoid of joy or, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I found that actually not not depressing, but almost inspiring. Okay. 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 Yeah, I don't know. I looked up some stuff about this movie because I was yeah. curious what it, you know, how it was received in India. Um, and I think what was fascinating to me is that one there are apparently like groups that represent slum dwellers in India, uh, which I did not know that there's like, you know, representing the interests of people who live in slums. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And, and they were pretty anti to the portrayals in this movie for whatever reason. I think for one thing, they did not appreciate the term slum dog, which apparently is a term that Danny Boyle came up with. It's not like a, it's not like a, you know, term that people use for slum dwellers in India. Uh, and they found it dehumanizing, which I would agree it is explicitly dehumanizing, but ultimately, and there, there were also problems because the kids who are cast as actors, the child actors, they are actual slum dwellers. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And there was a big to do about their compensation or lack thereof. And then their families, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, trying to, uh, get more money out of the production and, and mm. so on and so forth. And the whole thing became a lot more complicated than just, Oh, isn't this beautiful? This, you know, kid has like all this talent and they're a really good actor, you know, because it's true, right? These child actors are really fantastic. Right. Yeah. And but Jamal they're... is the, the kid who played Jamal, the, the youngest Jamal is still acting. Um, mm -hmm. but I do imagine that, uh, Part of me bristles at that a bit because the movie ended up making hundreds of millions of dollars. And so it seems to me that part of that might be an opportunistic response to like I'm I feel like No, I think it's absolutely it's role. absolutely yeah, it's absolutely an opportunistic response. A hundred percent, right? Like I don't I'm not saying that it's not an opportunistic well, response. I'm but just I saying ding that the movie about that then I would I would ding the you know, the management people uh, trying to, or, or even the families saying like, oh, you know, we got paid for the, for the work, but now that the movie is successful, we want more money, when that's just not how it works for anybody, not just them. Right. I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is that the, uh, you know, sort of exploitative system, the, the cracks in that overall exploitative system are really obvious here just because of the nature of the performers right hmm. okay um, so you know i don't i'm not a big fan of exploitative systems period i guess right but i don't think it probably was as exploitative as you think it is i think they got paid for their acting work like i got paid for my acting work i don't i don't feel like i'm being exploited because i got paid and then i don't get a piece of the back end on you know communities growing success or whatever i don't mm -hmm. know yeah. yeah yeah so um uh, but i do want to uh, real quick put in a, a really strong word for um irfan khan who played the police inspector uh i've seen him in a bunch of stuff now um he 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 broke out of the um of the indian uh bollywood world and has become quite a successful he's dead now unfortunately but he he became quite a successful actor in um american movies as well and uh he's just so good like i love his eyes and it, the way he acts is um is really great and mm -hmm. and even seeing a young uh dev patel do his thing and 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 you can see where his intensity comes from even at a young age um and Frida Pinto as his love interest, uh, as the grown-up version of, um, of Latika, Latika yeah. was, even though she was only in a few scenes, she was very powerful, mm -hmm. uh, and I really loved her performance too. So I, it's yeah, I, think I it's gotta admit, seeing her, seeing her in this made me even matter about the thinness of her role in Planet of the Apes. Like, oh, yeah, I was I was like, see, right? no, I knew yes, she could act. We, and there was like, there was just nothing for her to do in that movie. And it made me so angry because she's, oh, yeah. she's very good in this. So. She was, and, and, and in this movie, she, she, she felt important. In fact, she, she felt like she exceeded her role. 
um, just by her presence, which I really enjoyed. Like, Yeah, to the extent that I had a problem with this movie, it was all story and structural. The performances themselves, honestly, I think Dev Patel's performance is probably the the one of the lesser performances in this movie. Uh, he's not bad or anything, but I don't feel like he stands out as amazing. I Interesting. The, you know, he does stand out is- maybe as not fitting in because he was British. He was a British Indian guy coming into this. Uh, and you binged, mm-hmm. you dinged him for that on Lion a bit. Yeah. Um, and so he doesn't maybe feel like he fits in with this world quite so yeah. naturally. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I could see that, so. but I, I, I still enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, well ratings. I, yeah, it's time for ratings. We had a Boy. we have an action packed episode here. Well, yeah. um, I, you know what? I think I liked the performance, and I liked most of the direction. Right? There were times when I found it a little intrusive, uh, but I really didn't like the story, and I really didn't like sort of the structure of the movie. So that I think is all going to balance out to a five for me. Okay, better um, than I thought you were going to give. Um, yeah, no, I, I like I said, there's a lot to like here, but there's a lot of stuff that just ground my gears. Yeah. Um, it. Uh, so, by the way, it did. It was nominated for 10 Academy Awards uh, and won eight of them. So it did win Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay based on the book Q&A that it was uh, based on. And, um, and it won a slew of other awards. Uh, I... I'm going to give it a nine. Um, it's as this, I loved re-experiencing this movie and uh, I thought that there were so many good things about it. I loved the things that you didn't like about it, structure and story. My only real nitpick about it was a lot of the use of experimental um, camera work mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. was a little jarring. Uh, they used a lot of digital cameras in a, in a day, you know, this is... 15 years ago when digital hadn't quite matured. And so um, you can see that in some ways that I didn't love. But also I did like it helped them get in the action. Like they were going, mm-hmm. they were running through the, the the slums, you know, in these narrow alleyways and stuff with the characters, which I really liked. My one big gripe is they never explain how he gets onto Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, sure they did. How? He he knew exactly when to call from the guy who programmed the answering service. But they don't show him doing it, which I well, feel no, like... Well, no, but they explained how he did it. <laughs> okay, okay. I Yeah, which I thought that that scene was going to be the scene where he gets on, but they it wasn't. And I really... I, I just wish they would have shown that, that's all. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I love the motivation for getting on the show. He's not doing it for the money. He's doing it because this girl that he loves, he knows that she watches and, and he thinks it's the only way uh, in, a, in a city of 18 million people or whatever that, uh, that she'll see him. And um, mm-hmm. uh, that's, I, thought it was, I thought it was beautifully written uh, and, All right. and told. So a nine for me. Awesome. All right. Well, real quick, we're running low on time. What have you got for me next week? Have you ever heard of Taylor Swift? Um, hmm. No. Um, <laughs> I think you're lying to me. I've right of now. course heard of Taylor Swift. I've even uh, uh, I did a video, a Taylor Swift show video sketch uh, ages ago because I thought it might be good for like uh, search engine optimization, but it only got like 500 views or whatever. So, yeah. Oh, wow. uh, I've. And I'm only vaguely aware of her music, so well, are you give me Taylor Swift. You're gonna you're gonna get a whole album of Taylor Swift. Oh I could give gosh. you a mix, but I'm not gonna give you a mix. I am uh-huh. a huge fan of her 2020 album Folklore. It oh. is very much in the uh, sensitive singer songwriter category, hmm. and I really really love this. It's a little. Um, it's pulled back from the big arena filling pop, and it's a lot like smaller more intimate of a record it's got a bunch of beautiful stories on it her lyricism is bar none it's really good stuff and i'm uh hopeful that you like this this is an hour-long record um okay so just prepare yourself for it being long but i but it's really really good and i really really like it um okay and i i'm hopeful that you'll like it too 
Great. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to give you. Uh, I'm going to give you something that uh, was fun for me and just a little sci-fi, uh, actiony, comedy type of thing. And it's the movie The Adam Project uh, on Netflix. Cool. It's uh, it's a Ryan Reynolds sci-fi comedy. Um, Ish. And uh, there's a couple things I like about it. I think it was a movie that was originally somewhere else, and it, it might be uh, it was directed by someone big, like either the guy who did Free Guy or maybe Deadpool or something like that. Um, but in addition to Ryan Reynolds, who I actually find pretty charming and fun in this movie, uh, it stars a uh, a young boy who is doing who's playing young Ryan Reynolds and. Mm-hmm. And he does a great job. It's this kid who's probably 12 years old or something like that, or 13. And he does an amazing job in that role. And so uh, I want you to experience that. It's just a it's a fun little romp. The Atom Project. Cool. Yeah, The Atom Project on Netflix. A-T-O-M or A-D-A-M? Adam. A-D-A-M. Ah, okay. All right. Cool. Yep. Well, Travis, Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year to you, Matt, and to all of our viewers. Oh, and hey, viewers and listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by emailing exposingourselvespodcast at gmail.com or checking in on our Facebook page, Facebook page, search for Exposing Ourselves. Travis, thank you this week for exposing yourself to me. Matt, thank you for exposing yourself to me. I loved it.